Hello everybody, I'm Ron Waxman and I welcome everybody to the July edition of the Journal Club of the CRM Journal. With me, the editor-at-large, Spencer King, and the associate editor, Dr. Gary Means. And today uh, we are sharing an interesting paper uh, by Dr. Ashish Kumar from the Cleveland Clinic. And the paper title is Revascularization or Optimal Medical Therapy for Stable Ischemic Heart Disease, a Bayesian Meta-Analysis of Contemporary Trials. Dr. Kumar is from the Cleveland Clinic. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Waxman. So thank you, Ashish, for sending the paper to CRM. And we picked it because it's continued to be a controversial topic. Right. So maybe you want to share with us what was the motivation uh, to do this analysis? Yeah. Uh, uh, hello, my name is Ashish. I'm one of the residents in Cleveland Clinic, Akron General. Um, uh, my re research is mostly in cardiology, uh, mostly into, uh, into outcome-based research. And uh, the motivation behind this topic mostly came after the, the ischemia trial. Um, and I found that it's a standard practice to actually um, kind of uh, patients with stable ischemic heart disease actually underwent more revascularization procedures than they were supposed to. And uh, there was a lot of controversy when the trial came out, uh, a lot of pros being discussed, a lot of uh, cons being discussed regarding the trial. Um, and that's when we decided uh, let's, let's pull all the available data from all the previous studies, including the ischemia trial and see what the evidence uh, tells us basically. Um, so to begin with, uh, uh, we did notice that there was a, there were a, 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 a meta-analysis published basically, which was a frequentist meta-analysis, which included all the studies basically from the beginning of time, which studied revascularization compared with optimal medical therapy in patients who actually had uh, stable ischemic heart disease. Uh, uh, but what we found was a negative uh, uh, aspect of this uh, previous meta-analysis was it actually included uh, trials which were not in terms of present uh, standard of care in terms of optimal medical therapy group not having enough statin prescription, not having aspirin prescription, um, also, we found that uh, in the revascularization group, particularly, not all patients, like less, uh, very few, actually underwent stent uh, implantation. Um, also, the study, like uh, like the heading of this topic um, uh, mentions, it's a Bayesian uh, analysis. The previous meta-analysis was a frequentist meta-analysis. Basically, gives us an evidence. Uh, uh, in in a dichotomous way, yes or no terms of answer. While we wanted to, you know, present the data more clinically reliable in terms of probability estimates, so that it's uh, it, it translates more into clinical medicine. Uh, so basically, with this thought process in mind, we went ahead with the literature search. We did uh, register our uh, meta analysis meta analysis in Prospero um, and the inclusion criteria for our study where was basically randomized controlled trials comparing uh, revascularization versus optimal medical therapy in patients with uh, stable ischemic heart disease. Uh, and we also made the point that when we define revascularization, more than 50% of the 
patients who were randomized to the revascularization group actually underwent either stent placement or cabbage, uh, which, uh, which is the standard of care these days. And when we defined optimal medical therapy, we made sure uh, more than 50% of the population or the patients randomized to uh, uh, optimal medical therapy had uh, a statin or an and an aspirin prescription, both of which have a class uh, one recommendation uh, 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 for treatment of uh, uh, coronary artery disease. Um, with this thought process in mind, we searched databases, mostly uh, PubMed and uh, Cochrane, and uh, we used Bayesian meta-analysis techniques, mostly using a non-informative prior because we did not find a reliable informative prior uh, and uh, reported our uh, uh, probability estimates. So uh, with the results, we actually had- we actually... Before, before you go to the results, just wanted to ask you. So when you look at the totality of all the studies that were available on those, uh, um, Medline and, and Cochrane. How, how many did you? How many studies you found that would fit the actual uh, purpose of this study? Because you set up very high standards, so you had multiple studies. Right. right. What the, so what, how many how many studies you have to basically throw away, not to include? Because we see the table which studies you used, but right. So uh, just. Uh, comparing, I mean, randomized controlled trials, actually comparing uh, uh, revascularization versus uh, optimal medical therapy in patients with stable ischemic heart disease. We actually found, I think, close to 29 studies, but they were not, uh, like either they had revascularization strategies, which did not including stenting or cabbage or had the, or, uh, the optimal medical therapy group, which had statin or uh, aspirin prescription less than 50%. And we kind of excluded those studies and only uh, you know included the ones which were more with the present uh, recommendation tell us what was your major findings yeah uh, okay with the major findings we uh, based on the inclusion criteria we were able to include seven trials um, and uh, and uh, uh, we reported six outcomes mostly uh, that being all cause mortality cardiac mortality myocardial infarction, stable uh, angina, freedom from angina, and uh, stroke. Uh, uh, based on the probability estimates, what we found is uh, there, is there was really no, no much uh, difference with respect to absolute risk difference for cardiac, uh, for all cause and cardiac mortality. While we did found that revascularization had a higher probability uh, 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 of being better in terms of myocardial infarction and unstable angina. Revascularization also had uh, better outcomes in terms of having uh, freedom from angina. Uh, and, uh, but uh, to the downside, we also found revascularization strategy in patients with stable uh, uh, ischemic heart disease uh, had a higher incidence of stroke, which, which we translated to possibly being related to post-procedural complications. Um, so this was a this was the most important uh, 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 conclusion from our study. I understand. So maybe you can summarize your conclusion from the study. Yes. So basically, uh, from the whole analysis, um, reviewing the previous literature, what we concluded is though revascularization didn't really have any 
benefit in terms of mortality, or I would say more in a Bayesian term that the probability of difference between the two strategies uh, was minimal. Uh, revascularization still had uh, still had a higher probability of uh, 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 benefit in terms of uh, future MI, which included both pro uh, procedural and post-procedural MI, and also had uh, benefit in terms of unstable angina, freedom from angina, but to the downside had uh, higher incidence of stroke. Thank you. So maybe we'll open it for discussion, and I'll start with the... Uh... Dr. King, because he was mastering studies uh, comparing different strategies and probably has a very large perspective on all those studies. What, do you, what are your thoughts, uh, Spencer? Uh, well, first of all, congratulations on doing this. Uh, I've got no complaint with the studies that you included uh, in this uh, analysis. And I'm a bit attracted to the Bayesian approach for many things. Uh, because it does give you some perspective. Uh, the language used is a bit always confusing. You know, it says minimal chance that there's a difference, which sort of means maybe there's a difference. Yeah. Uh, whereas in the other methodology, you say there's no, we, we can find no difference. So uh, people just have to understand what you're talking about. Uh, but I, I guess uh, uh, one of the things we're struck with any uh, analysis that's meta-analysis that's been done is what light have you shown on this that's not there from other uh, meta-analysis? You've said that you've you've honed the trials down to these seven, and I agree that that's uh, probably appropriate. Uh, the findings are, are quite similar to the largest uh, trial you've got, which is the ischemia. Right. Uh, uh, so, uh, uh, the one question I have, though, is in the, in the methods, uh, and I don't remember this, uh, ischemia, uh, chronic kidney disease was a different population. It was not a subset of ischemia. Is that correct? That's right. Yep. Yeah, I had forgotten that. Okay. Uh, so I, I think, uh, you know, this is, uh, again, uh, fine. I think the uh, introduction to your paper, though, is a little bit skewed. You talk about... <laughs> the overuse of the inappropriate use of, uh, of PCI and uh, the classification we have now, which is appropriate, uh, um, may be appropriate or, in a, or rarely appropriate or whatever it is, uh, is, the, is the nomenclature. Right. Uh, then uh, the only one that's inappropriate is the third category. And you lump the middle and the third and say 45% of them are not this uh, most appropriate category, but understand that, and I'm a bit critical of this, the, it's very difficult to be inappropriate anymore because uh, the definition of uh, unstable angina throws you into appropriate, uh, all kinds of things do. Uh, probably, more, probably more cases that are inappropriate, but, but if you classify it, this way, there's only a very small number that are fit this totally inappropriate uh, category. Yep. That's my only criticism of your methods. Yep. Gary, you're, you're not a big fan of meta-analysis. Uh, do you give a discount to this one or you? Well, I, I think you always have to put the meta-analyses in the context of the question and the context of the studies that are included. 
So if you look at the studies that were included, and I'm not disagreeing with your criteria, you have them, um, some patients got bypass surgery, some patients were treated with balloon angioplasty, lots of patients were treated with bare metal stents, and with the exception of FAME2, there was minimal documentation of ischemia. Right. So we're talking about um, medical therapy versus um, a grab bag of revascularizations in patients who have some kind of symptoms, but most of whom are probably not ischemic symptoms, or at least do not have documented ischemia. Right. So, so I think that's the context of this meta-analysis. Right. Right. I mean, we. I do agree with the uh, the comments that uh, the the studies per se the definition of uh, stable ischemic heart disease were too heterogeneous, and um, across studies the outcomes were not defined uh, homogeneously. Uh, there was, uh, I mean, the major two uh, I think uh, the limitations of the study. So yeah, it does affect the and the main anatomic inclusion criteria for revascularization or be included in a study was a diameter stenosis of 50% or more. Right. And we know right. how unreliable that cut point is. Yeah, yeah. No, I, we, I do agree. I have a question about um, <clears throat> the size of the studies. I mean, ischemia was the largest and also followed the patient to five years. Um, how did you account, because for the length of the follow-up on those patients, because they are different among studies. And how much yep. do you think your results are influenced by the size of the ischemia trial? I mean, basically the results are driven by the ischemia trial. Yes, so, I mean, that's one of the uh, limitations. We, uh, when we, when we uh, looked at the outcomes, we only took the longest available follow-up for each trial. I think the mean follow-up duration for the whole Matana mean weight uh, uh, duration of follow-up was close to 3.5 years, but I do agree that the ischemia was the largest trial of the lot, which could have uh, swayed results to its to its uh, benefit. Yes, so <clears throat> uh, there is a, another way to look at it on the ischemia trial, the spontaneous MI over time after a landmark analysis Right. tends to be higher. You could expect that if you add more patients to the sample size, you may get some significance. But yeah. in your analysis, you see no difference in any MI, right? I mean, you differentiate between yes. spontaneous MI and procedural MI, and you want to elaborate a little bit about that. Right. So uh, the previous uh, uh, meta-analysis and previous studies we've discussed usually divided MI into uh, post-procedural uh, versus procedural MI, but what we felt was that's kind of uh, missing the importance of the endpoint there. Uh, that's why we combined both post-procedural post and procedural MI, and we still had that significant uh, probability uh, benefit for revascularization. Um, and, uh, and I mean, that's the main uh, idea we wanted to uh, Convey that even if they were combined, they still had uh, benefit in terms of revascularization. And because I think you did mention that previous studies have mentioned that if there were few more patients in one arm, 
there could have been benefit or uh, or harm in terms of uh, MI, but because this was more a Bayesian way of looking into things, uh, we we skipped that uh, arbitrary 0 0.05 p value and put uh, put the whole uh, topic in terms of probability estimates. And maybe my last question to you from my side, the stroke rate, did you look if the stroke rate was more driven by surgery versus PCI or was there any way that you can differentiate between the two? So, yeah, actually that was one of the things we wanted to do when we did find that the stroke rates were uh, higher in the revascularization strategy, but unfortunately the studies per se didn't really give us that uh, 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 the the uh, the stroke rates for PCI CABG separately for all studies. So we weren't able to kind of comment on that part. Uh, that's one thing that I thought maybe could be added to your paper is that the admission that you are putting together PCI and surgery right. to right. make it revascularization, which is right. fine, but uh, the possibilities still exist. Right. But, uh, there's a difference it was, as we know the outcome in some patients uh, difference between PCI and surgery and right. uh, possibility, uh, as you know, in some of these trials, such as uh, Barry 2D, uh, the surgical arm uh, did better, partly because the surgery arm was the sick, uh, sick arm, the right. people who right. really, really had uh, the most uh, severe disease. And I'm sure that's uh, true in some of the others as well. Spencer, yep. I want to ask you a general question. For the first past four decades, we're doing studies, medical therapy versus revascularization, either surgery or PCI, all kind of permutation. Uh, for stable ischemic heart disease, do you think that there is any merit to do more studies? Or I think you can go again and again and again, but you're going to see the same result all the time. <laughs> What's your thought about the stable ischemic heart disease? Uh, yeah, well, you got to balance the, the desire to have a definitive answer against the practicality of doing it. And I think that uh, we'll never get there in terms of uh, the practicality uh, because uh, you, the, the, the end point I'm interested in is mortality and, uh, <laughs> and uh, the, the size of the study and the uh, kind of uh, patients that have to be included. And then uh, even if we do that, uh, we will never include the patients, many of the patients that we're most interested in because they'll fall outside our enrollment criteria or they'll, somebody will refuse to do them. Or they will not be equipoised in the minds of the investigators. And so we will, so I think we've got a great deal of information. I think we know a lot. And to make progress, I think, uh, uh, what, the way we'll make progress in, in preventing mortality is to uh, uh, use revascularization uh, appropriately when there's a heck of a lot of ischemia and it looks really bad. And at the same time, uh, use medical therapy to its... Uh, medical therapy has advanced more than surgery or PCI during this time frame as far as preventing mortality. So... So we're studying two things that are not the main driver of mortality, which is now uh, modern medical therapy.
And, and Gary, uh, we have seen together how imaging improving revascularization, at least when it comes to PCI. It, I'm not familiar for a study that was comparing medical therapy to PCA-guided uh, imaging. So if you believe that imaging is going to improve the PCI, you know, every time that we have a new technology like drug-eluting stent or limas, I mean, the whole game is changing. Uh, so do you think that with imaging-guided revascularization, the results would be any different than without when you're comparing against medical therapy, not against without imaging? No, I mean... The data that we have suggests that imaging reduces mortality after modern stent implantation by about 50%. Um, and that was the criticism of FAME 3 was that the PCI arm was not imaging guided. So I would have to assume that a modern medical therapy versus a modern PCI study um, with all of Spencer's caveats about how hard that would be to do, um, might in fact be a, uh, a fairer assessment of state-of-the-art PCI. But to get, that, to get that study done on top of the difficulty of just doing a medical therapy versus PCI study with enough patients to have a mortality endpoint would be, I think, impossible. Right. Thank you. Okay, Ashish. First of all, thanks for submitting the paper to CRM. I'll give you the last word. This was your paper. Any other message that you want to tell us or to send? Uh, I think uh, I agree with the panel that I, even this meta-analysis did not show any mortality benefit in terms of uh, revascularization strategy, which I think is the most important clinically, a very hard endpoint. And I think that's that was the main message for the study. But remember, all of them reduced angina. That's right. what the patient came in complaining of. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's yep. why we're still doing them. Well, panel, thank you very much for joining us in the July Journal Club of the CRM Journal. I hope to uh, come back again in August. I'd like to thank to Ashish Kumar from Cleveland Clinic for presenting his paper, to Gary Means, the associate editor from CRF, and to Spetsy King from Emory the uh, editor in large and enjoy the rest of the summer and the July issue is in print should be on your desk so I hope you'll enjoy it thank you thank you